Book Four, Canto One of the Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Thomas Copeland. The fourth book of the Fairy Queen containing the legend of Campbell and of Talmont, or of friendship. The rugged forehead that with grave foresight welds kingdoms, causes, and affairs of state, my looser rhymes I wot doth sharply white, for praising love as I have done of late, and magnifying lovers' dear debate, by which frail youth is oft to folly led through false allurement of that pleasing bait, that better were in virtues dissipled than with vain poems weeds to have their fancies fed such ones ill judge of love that cannot love ne in their frozen hearts feel kindly flame for they they ought not thing unknown reprove ne natural affection faultless blame for fault of few that have abused the same for it of honour and all virtue is the root and brings forth glorious flowers of fame that crown true lovers with immortal bliss the meed of them that love and do not live amiss. Which whoso list look back to former ages, and call to count the things that then were done, shall find that all the works of those wise sages and brave exploits which great heroes won in love were either ended or begun. Witness the father of philosophy, which to his Critias, shaded oft from sun, of love full many lessons did apply, the which these stoic censors cannot well deny. To such, therefore, I do not sing at all, but to that sacred saint, my sovereign queen, in whose chaste breast all bounty natural and treasures of true love enlocked been, above all her sex that ever yet was seen. To her I sing of love that loveth best and best is loved of all alive, I ween. To her this song most fitly is addressed, the queen of love and prince of peace from heaven blessed. Which that she may the better deign to hear, do thou, dread infant, Venus, dearling dove, from her high spirit chase imperious fear, and use of awful majesty remove. Instead thereof with drops of melting love Dewed with ambrosial kisses, by thee gotten from thy sweet smiling mother from above, sprinkle her heart, and haughty courage soften, that she may hark to love, and read this lesson often. Canto One. Fair Britomart saves Amoret, Duessa discord breeds, twixt Scudamore and Blandamore, their fight and warlike deeds. Of lovers' sad calamities of old, full many piteous stories do remain. But none more piteous ever was it told than that of Amoret's heart-binding chain, and this of Florimel's unworthy pain, the dear compassion of whose bitter fit my softened heart so sorely doth constrain, that I with tears full oft do pity it, and oftentimes do wish it never had been writ. For from the time that Scudamore her brought in perilous fight, she never joyed day, a perilous fight, when he with force her brought from twenty knights that did him all assay. 
Yet fairly well he did them all dismay, and with great glory both the shield of love and eke the lady's self he brought away, whom having wedded, as did him behoove, a new unknown mischief did from him remove. For that same vile enchanter busy ran, the very self-same day that she was wedded, amidst the bridal feast, whilst every man surcharged with wine were heedless and ill-headed, all bent to mirth before the bride was bedded, brought in that mask of love which late was shown, and there the lady, ill of friends besteaded, by way of sport as often masks is known, conveyed quite away to living white unknown. Seven months he so her kept in bitter smart, because his sinful lust she would not sarve, until such time as noble Britomart released her, that else was like to starve through cruel knife that her dear heart did carve. And now she is with her upon the way, marching in lovely wise, that could deserve no spot of blame, though spite did oft assay to blot her with dishonor of so fair a prey. Yet should it be a pleasant tale to tell the diverse usage, and demean your daint, that each to other made as oft befell, for Amoret right fearful was and faint, lest she with blame her honor should attaint, that every word did tremble as she spake, and every look was coy and wondrous quaint, and every limb that touched her did quake, yet could she not but courteous countenance to her make. For well she wist, as true it was indeed, that her lives lord and patron of her health Right well deserved, as his dewful meed her love, her service, and her utmost wealth. All is his justly, that all freely dealt. Nathless, her honor, dearer than her life, she sought to save, as thing reserved from stealth. Die had she lever with enchanter's knife, than to be false in love, professed a virgin wife. Thereto her fear was made so much the greater, through fine abusion of that Britain maid, who, for to hide her feigned sex the better, and mask her wounded mind, both did and said full many things so doubtful to be weighed, that well she wist not what by them to guess. For otherwhiles to her she purpose made of love, and otherwhiles of lustfulness, that much she feared his mind would grow to some excess. His will, she feared, for him she surely thought to be a man, such as indeed he seemed, and much the more by that he lately wrought, when her from deadly thraldom he redeemed, for which no service she too much esteemed, yet dread of shame and doubt of foul dishonor made her not yield so much as due she deemed, yet Britomart attended duly on her, as well became a knight and did to her all honor. It so befell one evening that they came unto a castle lodged there to be, where many a knight and many a lovely dame was then assembled deeds of arms to see, amongst all which was none more fair than she, that many of them moved to eye her sore. The custom of that place was such that he which had no love nor lemon there in store should either win him one, or lie without the door. Amongst the rest there was a jolly knight who, being asked for his love, avowed that fairest Amoret was his by right, 
and offered that to justify aloud. The warlike virgin, seeing his so proud and boastful challenge, wexed inly wroth, but for the present did her anger shroud, and said her love to lose she was full loath, but either he should neither of them have, or both. So forth they went, and both together justed. But that same Yunker soon was overthrown, and made repent that he had rashly lusted for thing unlawful that was not his own. Yet since he seemed valiant, though unknown, she, that no less was courteous than stout, cast how to salve that both the customs shown were kept, and yet that night not lock it out. That seemed full hard to cord two things so far in doubt. The seneschal was called to deem the right, whom she required that first fair amoret might be to her allowed, as to a knight that did her win and free from challenge set, which straight to her was yielded without let. Then, since that strange knight's love from him was quitted, she claimed that to herself, as lady's debt, he as a knight might justly be admitted, so none should be outshut sith all of loves were fitted. With that her glistering helmet she unlaced, which docked her golden locks that were upbound still in a knot, unto her heels down-traced, and like a silken veil encompassed round about her back and all her body wound, like as the shining sky in summer's night, what time the days with scorching heat abound is crested all with lines of fiery light, that it prodigious seems in common people's sight. Such, when those knights and ladies all about beheld her, all were with amazement smit, and every one gan grow in secret doubt of this and that according to each wit. Some thought that some enchantment feigned it, some that Bellona in that warlike wise to them appeared with shield and armor fit, some that it was a mask of strange disguise, so diversely each one did sundry doubts devise. But that young knight, which through her gentle deed was to that goodly fellowship restored, ten thousand thanks did yield her for her meed, and doubly overcomen her adored. So did they all their former strife accord, and eke fair Amoret, now freed from fear, more frank affection did to her afford, and to her bed which she was wont forbear, now freely drew, and found right safe assurance there. Where all that night they of their loves did treat, and hard adventures twixt themselves alone, that each the other gan with passion great, and griefful pity privately bemoan. The morrow next, so soon as Titan shone, they both uprose, and to their ways them dight. Long wandered they, yet never met with none that to their wills could them direct aright, or to them tidings tell that mote their hearts delight. Lo, thus they rode, till at the last they spied two armed knights that toward them did pace, and each of them had riding by his side a lady, seeming in so far a space. But ladies none they were, albeit in face and outward show, fair semblance they did bear, for under mask of beauty and good grace, vile treason and foul falsehood hidden were, 
that mote to none but to the wary wise appear. For one of them the false duessa hight, that now had changed her former wanted hue, for she could don so many shapes in sight as ever could chameleon colors new. So could she forge all colors save the true. The other no whit better was than she, but that such as she was, she plain did show. Yet otherwise much worse, if worse might be, and daily more offensive unto each degree. Her name was Ate, mother of debate and all dissension, which doth daily grow amongst frail men, that many a public state and many a private oft doth overthrow. Her false duessa, who full well did know to be most fit to trouble noble knights, which hunt for honor, raised from below out of the dwellings of the damned sprites, where she in darkness wastes her cursed days and nights. Hard by the gates of hell her dwelling is, there whereas all the plagues and harms abound, which punish wicked men that walk amiss. It is a darksome dell far underground, with thorns and barren brakes and barren ground, that none the same may easily outwin. Yet many ways to enter may be found, but none to issue forth when one is in. For discord harder is to end than to begin. And all within the riven walls were hung with ragged monuments of times forepast, all which the sad effects of discord sung. There were rent robes and broken scepters placed, altars defiled and holy things defaced, dishivered spears and shields it torn in twain, great cities ransacked and strong castles raced, nations captived and huge armies slain, of all which ruins there some relics did remain. There was the sign of antique Babylon, of fatal Thebes, of Rome that reigned long, of sacred Salem and sad Ilion, for memory of which on high there hung the golden apple, cause of all their wrong, for which the three fair goddesses did strive. There also was the name of Nimrod strong, of Alexander and his princes five, which shared to them the spoils that he had got alive. And there the relics of the drunken fray, the which amongst the Lapithes befell, and of the bloody feast, which sent away so many centaurs, drunken souls, to hell, that under great Alcides fury fell, and of the dreadful discord which did drive the noble Argonauts to outrage fell, that each of life sought others to deprive, all mindless of the golden fleece which made them strive, and eke of private persons many mo, that were too long a work to count them all, some of sworn friends that did their faith forgo, some of born brethren proved unnatural, some of dear lovers, foes perpetual. Witness their broken bands there to be seen, the girlands rent, their bowers despoiled all, the monuments whereof their biding been as plain as at the first, when they were fresh and green. Such was her house within, but all without. The barren ground was full of wicked weeds, which she herself had sown all about. Now growing great, at first of little seeds, the seeds of evil words and factious deeds, which, when to ripeness due they grow in are, bring forth an infinite increase that breeds tumultuous trouble and contentious jar, 
the which most often end in bloodshed and in war. And those same cursed seeds do also serve to her for bread, and yield her living food, for life it is to her when others starve, through mischievous debate and deadly feud, that she may suck their life and drink their blood, with which she from her childhood had been fed, for she at first was born of hellish brood, and by infernal furies nourished, that by her monstrous shape might easily be read. Her face, most foul and filthy, was to see with squinted eyes contrary ways intended, and loathly mouth, unmeet a mouth to be, that naught but gall and venom comprehended, and wicked words that God and man offended. Her lying tongue was in two parts divided, and both the parts did speak, and both contended, and as her tongue, so was her heart decided that never thought one thing, but doubly still was guided. All's as she double spake, so heard she double, with matchless ears, deformed and distort, filled with false rumors and seditious trouble, bred in assemblies of a vulgar sort, that still are led with every light report. And as her ears, so eke her feet were odd, and much unlike, one long, the other short, and both misplaced, that when one forward yode, the other back retired, and contrary trode. Likewise unequal were her handes twain, that one did reach, the other pushed away, that one did make, the other marred again, and sought to bring all things unto decay, whereby great riches gathered many a day, she in short space did often bring to naught, and their possessors often did dismay, for all her study was, and all her thought, how she might overthrow the things that concord wrought. So much her malice did her might surpass, that even the Almighty self she did malign, because to man so merciful he was, and unto all his creatures so benign, since she herself was of his grace in dine, for all this world's fair workmanship she tried unto his last confusion to bring, and that great golden chain quite to divide with which it, blessed concord, hath together tied. Such was that hag which with Duessa rode, and serving her in her malicious use to hurt good knights, was, as it were, her bawd to sell her borrowed beauty to abuse. For though like withered tree that wanteth juice, she old and crooked were, yet now of late, as fresh and fragrant as the flower de luce she was become by change of her estate, and made full goodly joyance to her new-found mate. Her mate, he was a jolly youthful knight that bore great sway in arms and chivalry, and was indeed a man of mickle might. His name was Blandamour that did descry his fickle mind, full of inconstancy. And now himself he fitted, had right well with two companions of like quality, faithless Duessa, and false Paradel, that whether were more false, full hard it is to tell. Now when this gallant, with his goodly crew, from far espied the famous Britomart, like knight adventurous in outward view, 
With his fair paragon, his conquest's part approaching nigh, eftsoons his wanton heart was tickled with delight, and jesting said, Lo, there, Sir Paradell, for your desart, good luck presents you with yon lovely maid, for pity that ye want a fellow for your aid. By that the lovely pair drew nigh to Hond, whom when as Paradell more plain beheld, albe in heart he like affection fond, yet mindful how he late by one was felled, that did those arms and that same scutcheon weld, he had small lust to buy his love so dear, but answered, Sir, him wise I never held that, having once escaped peril near, would afterwards afresh the sleeping evil rear. This night, too late his manhood and his might I did assay, that me right dearly cost. Melist I for revenge provoke new fight, ne for light lady's love that soon is lost. The hotspur youth, so scorning to be crossed, Take then to you this dame of mine, quoth he, and I, without your peril or your cost, will challenge yon same other for my fee. So forth he fiercely pricked, that one him scarce could see. The warlike Britannus her soon addressed, and with such uncouth welcome did receive her feigned paramour, her forced guest, that, being forced his saddle soon to leave, himself he did of his new love deceive, and made himself the example of his folly, which done she passed forth, not taking leave, and left him now as sad as whilom jolly well warned to beware with whom he dared to dally, which when his other company beheld, they to his succor ran with ready aid, and finding him unable once to weld, they reared him on horseback and upstayed, till on his way they had him forth conveyed, and all the way with wondrous grief of mind and shame he showed himself to be dismayed, more for the love which he had left behind than that which he had to Sir Paradell resigned. Nathless he forth did march well as he might, and made good semblance to his company, dissembling his disease and evil plight, till that ere long they chanced to espy two other knights, that towards them did ply with speedy course, as bent to charge them new, whom when as Blandamore approaching nigh perceived to be such as they seemed in view, he was full woe, and gan his former grief renew. For the one of them he perfectly described to be Sir Scudamore, by that he bore the god of love with wings displayed wide, whom mortally he hated evermore, both for his worth, that all men did adore, and eat because his love he won by right, which when he thought it grieved him full sore, that through the bruises of his former fight, he now unable was to wreak his old despite. For they he thus to Paradell bespake, Fair sir, of friendship let me now you pray, that as I late adventured for your sake, the hurts whereof me now from battle stay, ye will me now with like good turn repay, and justify my cause on yonder night. Ah, sir, said Paradell, do not dismay yourself for this, Myself will for you fight, as ye have done for me. The left hand rubs the right. With that he put his spurs unto his steed, with spear in rest, 
and toward him did fare like shaft out of the bow preventing speed but scudamore was shortly well aware of his approach and gan himself prepare him to receive with entertainment meet so furiously they met that either bare the other down under their horses feet that what of them became themselves did scarcely weet as when two billows in the irish sounds forcibly driven with contrary tides do meet together each a back rebounds with roaring rage and dashing on all sides that filleth all the sea with foam divides the doubtful current into diverse ways so fell those two in spite of both their prides but scudamore himself did soon upraise and mounting light his foe for lying long upbraves who rolled on an heap lay still in swound all careless of his taunt and bitter rail till that the rest him seeing lie on ground ran hastily to weep what did him ail where finding that the breath gan him to fail with busy care they strove him to awake and doffed his helmet and undid his mail so much they did that at the last they break his slumber yet so mazed that he nothing spake which when as blandamore beheld he said false fater scudamore but hast by slight and foul advantage this good knight dismayed, a knight much better than thyself behight. Well falls it thee that I am not in plight this day to wreak the damage by thee done. Such is thy want, that still when any knight is weakened, then thou dost him overrun. So hast thou to thyself false honor often won. He little answered, but in manly heart his mighty indignation did forbear which was not yet so secret, but some part thereof did in his frowning face appear, like as a gloomy cloud the which doth bear an hideous storm is by the northern blast quite overblown, yet doth not pass so clear but that it all the sky doth overcast with darkness dread, and threatens all the world to waste. Ah, gentle knight, then false Jewessa said, why do ye strive for ladies' love so sore, Whose chief desire is love and friendly aid Mongst gentle knights to nourish evermore? And be ye wroth, Sir Scudamore, therefore, That she your love list love another knight? Ne do yourself dislike a whit the more? For love is free, and led with self-delight, Ne will enforced be with maesterdom or might. So false Duessa, but vile Ate thus, both foolish knights i can but laugh at both that strive and storm with stir outrageous for her that each of you alike doth loath and loves another with whom now she goeth in lovely wise and sleeps and sports and plays whilst both you here with many a cursed oath swear she is yours and stir up bloody phrase to win a willow bough whilst other wears the bays vile hag said scudamore why dost thou lie and falsely seek'st a virtuous wight to shame fond knight said she the thing that with this eye i saw why should i doubt to tell the same then tell quoth blandamore and fear no blame tell what thou sawst malgray whoso it hears i saw quoth she a stranger knight whose name i woke not well but 
In his shield he bears, that well I wot, the heads of many broken spears. I saw him have your amaret at will, I saw him kiss, I saw him her embrace, I saw him sleep with her all night his fill, all many nights and many by in place that present were to testify the case. Which, when as Scudamore did hear, his heart was thrilled with inward grief, as when in chase the Parthian strikes a stag with shivering dart, the beast astonished stands in middest of his smart. So stood Sir Scudamore when this he heard. No word he had to speak for great dismay, but looked on Glouchy grim, who waxed afeard of outrage for the words which he heard say, albe untrue she wist them by a say. But Blandamore, when as he did spy his change of cheer, that anguish did bewray, he walks full blithe, as he had got thereby, and gan thereat to triumph without victory. Lo, recreant, said he, the fruitless end of thy vain boast and spoil of love misgotten, whereby the name of knighthood thou dost shend, and all true lovers with dishonor blotten. All things not rooted well will soon be rotten. Fie, fie, false knight, then false Juessa cried, unworthy life that love with guile hast gotten. Be thou, wherever thou do go or ride, loathed of ladies all, and of all knights defied. But Scudamore, for passing great despite, stayed not to answer, scarcely did refrain, but that in all those knights and ladies' sight he wore revenge, had guiltless Glouchy slain. But, being past, he thus began amain, False traitor squire, false squire of falsest knight, why doth mine hand from thine avenge abstain? Whose lord hath done my love this foul despite? Why do I not it wreak on thee now in my might? Discourteous, disloyal Britomart, untrue to God and unto man unjust, what vengeance due can equal thy desart, that hast with shameful spot of sinful lust defiled the pledge committed to thy trust? Let ugly shame and endless infamy color thy name with foul reproaches rust. Yet thou, false squire, his fault shall dear abide, and with thy punishment his penance shalt supply. The aged dame, him seeing so enraged, was dead with fear. Nathless, as need required, his flaming fury sought to have assuaged with sober words that sufferance desired till time a trial of her truth expired, and evermore sought Britomart clear. But he the more with furious rage was fired, and thrice his hand to kill her did uprear, and thrice he drew it back, so did at last forbear. End of Book Four, Canto One Recording by Thomas Copeland